Welcome to my podcast, Here I Stand. I am your host, Patricia Lord, with my guest, The Aim is Simple, sharing extraordinary stories of ordinary people. Today, we have Dr. Zareen Ruha Ahmed. Dr. Ahmed is the chair of the Halima Trust, a charity set up by her family after the passing of her daughter Halima in 2007. Halima had just started university to study international relations and her ambition was to work in third world countries to alleviate poverty through education and environmental projects. The charity was established to fulfil Halima's objectives with a special focus on orphans. Their first project was the completion of a state-of-the-art secondary school in Wazaribad, Pakistan for orphan and needy girls which was inaugurated in April 2011. In 2012, the Halima Trust partnered with Oxfam and UNICEF to raise funds to work in South Sudan, providing clean water and sanitation, and in Pakistan, building flood-proof schools and campaigning for girls' education. In 2012, Dr Ahmed established the Gift Wellness Limited Company, which produces natural sanitary care products for women. With the name Gift, Alongside sales, approximately one million sanitary pads to date have been donated to women in crisis through food banks, homeless charities and refugee camps. Between 2009 and 2012, Dr Ahmed was Director and Head of Operations at Brit Writers Limited. The initiative had two overarching objectives, to encourage and inspire budding writers of all ages. Also, it enabled them to work with the publishing industry to make it more accessible to writers from all walks of life to become published authors. Overlapping with Brit writers, Dr Ahmed was also the chief executive of the British Muslim Forum. She was the first woman to head up a major UK Muslim organisation where she worked tirelessly to establish the organisation and initiate a range of projects designed to improve the position of Muslims in Britain. Much of Dr Ahmed's role involved travelling and working with international governments on behalf of the British government, lecturing and chairing conferences across the world, including the USA, Brussels and the Far East. She represented the organisation in media and featured several times on the BBC politics show, Radio 4 and 5 Live. During this time... Dr. Ahmed was the only woman on the Executive Steering Committee of the MINAB, which stands for the Mosques and Imams National Advisory Body, which is an independent group set up to develop a standard and a system of accreditation for mosques and imams in Britain. Dr. Ahmed has a PhD in multiculturalism from the University of Aberdeen, where she examined how the role of Muslim women in British society has changed from the period of 1995 to 2011 as a result of 9-11 and the 7-7 bombings. And also the government's prevent agenda. Wow. Welcome, Dr. Ahmed. Thank you so much, Pat. Um, please call me Zareen. Thank you, Zareen. And as you know, I've told you this before, I'm very excited to have you here. I do believe that you have an extraordinary story and I would love for the listeners to hear more about you and the projects that you've been working on. So Thank first, you. I would love for you to just talk to us about how the Halima Trust charity came about. 
Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to be here as well. Um, well, the Halima Trust, the Halima Trust is actually named after my daughter Halima, mm -hmm. and uh, Halima uh, was a vibrant young woman who had a, um, you know, many dreams and aspirations, and uh, like all 19-year-olds, and she had just started university to study. Um, international relations and third world development at Nottingham Trent mm. and uh, tragically just six weeks after she started university she was um, abducted and murdered by a mental health patient so um, who was an asylum seeker an I Iraqi Kurdish asylum seeker and um, and so the Almost immediately after it happened, uh, me and my husband and my son, we decided to set up the Halima Trust to do the work that she dreamed of doing, hence the, the strap line, keeping dreams alive. Mm. And as a mother and someone who has suffered loss, not, not a child, um, I find your strength and courage um, inspiring because what you've just said is almost immediately afterwards... Mm this is what you decided to do, um, which takes a lot of willpower mm. to decide to not sit in the grief and to do something positive. So I take my hat off to you. Thank you. I mean, Pat, it was, I think it initially it was like a survival strategy and right. also not just my survival but my family's survival yeah. as a mother and as a woman you'll know we kind of when when there's any kind of crisis or, or, or something happens we we go into sort of auto pilot mode yeah. and it's all about making sure everyone's okay yeah and um i think that was one way of actually um dealing with the crisis mm you know, was, look, we'll do something positive. Yeah. And it was like our survival through yeah. this. But um, as time has gone on, it's turned into much, much more than that. It's mm. much more meaningful and deeper than that now. Yeah. And I want to get to the much more mm. in a moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm very keen to understand how you kept it together. And I know that, you know... Um, initially that it's fight or flight mode and mm -hmm. you're taking care of everybody else but when did that stop and it's become about you ensuring that you're okay and, and what tools did you use to ensure that you are okay what do you do well um i've done lots of um uh you know personal development training i love uh NLP, neuro-linguistic programming yeah. techniques and i've always used those and things like that but it wasn't consciously used it was subconsciously I was using those techniques yeah. and visualization and you know um, focusing on the positives and you know uh, really dimming the negatives as much as possible yeah. but it was in terms of me going into auto mode it was it, it was uh, you know I as you, you mentioned some of the jobs that I had and just before it happened at the time that it happened I was the CEO of the British Muslim Forum, and it was quite a, a high-profile mm. thing within the Muslim community yeah. and the media and the government, and it was acting as a kind of conduit, like a bridge. Yeah. And um, I, I f 
just automatically thought that I had to keep it together because there were delegations coming from... I mean, I had a call from Bishop Rear of Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, and because we'd been speaking the day before with Halima at the front of the... at at the Excel um, Centre in London with... at an audience of 20,000 people um, talking on a stage with people like Bishop Priya of Jerusalem and and the chief rabbi and, you know, people from different faiths, the the archbishop and uh, at the Global Peace and Unity event and Halima was there in front of me cheering me on and she she was managing my stand and things like that. And that was the day before it she disappeared. And so straight after it happened, there were like delegations of coming, there were delegations coming to see us. Um, and the funeral had all kinds of delegations. And like our little community in Derby was just thinking, gosh, what are these? Like in all their regalia, like yeah. the, all these groups of um, long bearded, <laughs> you know, people coming um, to this funeral, you know, like who was this person? <laughs> and because I, I didn't really tell people about my job you know yeah. in our yeah. in our close lit kind of community and extended family and to them I was just like you know Haji Rahim's daughter in law <laughs> in Derby you know? <laughs> and um, you know because he he's a kind of pillar of the community my father-in-law taught in the mosque and all that stuff and everyone knows him but you know I kind of just kept my head down and um, and then every now and again someone would say oh yeah, we saw you on the telly like <laughs> what were you doing <laughs> you know so um it was a it was i mean there were over 2000 people at the funeral and uh, it's heartwarming oh really heartwarming. heartwarming and people read you know recited things and poetry and made speeches and had written speeches for it and i had calls from different people. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, Sadiq Khan, who is now the mayor, he he and uh, his best friend, Asad Khan, uh, who reads the news. Yes. Um, he They went um, to Mecca yeah. for a pilgrimage and they called me from there and oh. said, we've done some special prayers for your daughter. And oh. this, I think it was at, like the day of the funeral or the day after the funeral. Yeah. yeah. So, you know... It was a surreal experience that, you know, it was, and I had to just go with the flow. You know, night times were really weird and kind of, um, I was so exhausted from the day that I would sleep at night. But I remember a couple of times lying down and actually like, it was as if Halima was sitting next to me on the bed, yeah. and I, and I believe she was, yeah. you know, yeah. actually feeling her kind of the bed lower feeling a bit, yeah, feeling yeah. her presence yeah. next to me, and and now I feel her presence more than ever, you know, she's more part of my life now than she ever was, and I'm not going to give uh, too much time to the individual, but what I want to ask you is, did you get justice? Do you have peace? Um. To be honest, he's not really. I don't. I don't give him much thought. Yeah. It's like he was a means to an end. He was the, you know, the the vehicle yeah. for her passing away. Um, yeah. And and I focus more on why she passed away, yeah. 
because that you know through the work that we do now mm. he was an asylum seeker mm. he was a failed asylum seeker and he'd been arrested several times for drink driving or stabbing mm. people and you know violence and things like that and he'd he was on the mental health register like he he was supposed to have been sectioned two weeks before mm. for the third time and they failed to section him and therefore there was a, a you know um uh, uh you know n n uh, what am i thinking of the the coroner's inquest you know right. into why it happened so um and that happened so you know and they and they concluded that you know in all probability he wouldn't have killed her if if the mental health services had done their job you know and actually sectioned him but again that's for us now it's it's like a formality and yeah. and the thing is he killed himself afterwards he committed right. suicide and he told his mental health nurse and so on that he, that he he feared that he would harm one of his friends or someone else and he told them that he was he was um you know he was uh, obsessed with somebody as well because he he'd been stalking Halima um while she was going to university and um they didn't stop it and and he'd been passed from mental health services to the police to the borders agency and in within that triangle over time and time again and nothing happened he'd just been brushed under the carpet he wasn't in prison for the violent crimes that he'd committed or arrests he'd just been again passed from one to the other and then brushed under the carpet because he wasn't a taxpayer so they didn't want to spend the money on him i guess that's just shocking yeah but here we are mm -hmm. as a direct result of most probably one of the most painful episodes that you and your family have ever gone through mm -hmm. and as a result we have the gift wellness limited company which for me um is revolutionary um to provide sanitary products to women in the absence of chemicals um is extraordinary and uh viewers up until the point that i met zareen i had no idea um, that my 45-year-old self was chemicalising, mm -hmm. um, without being too rude, my vagina every mm -hmm. single month mm -hmm. um, because this was not something. And I went back and I had a look at my sanitary products and I could not see anything that suggested that there were chemicals in my product. Um, so just talk me through how you got to um, this company and, 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 and the why. Talk me through the why. So I was... Um, you know, the Halima Trust, mm. I was focusing on the Halima Trust after Halima passed away for about three years. And uh, in between, I did bits of uh, consultancy and, you know, bits of work. But really, I was focusing on the on the uh, on the charity. And and we inaugurated the school, the Halima School of Excellence in Wazirabad, which was for um, orphaned and needy girls. And um, there are 400 girls there now from preschool mm. all the way up to sixth form. We're now building them a college as well. So it was that inauguration in April 2011 where everything, where Gift Wellness kind of came about as well. Um, during our trip to Pakistan when we inaugurated the school, I was with my mum and we, she loved Chinese medicine mm. and uh, she suffered from high blood pressure and we went to a Chinese herbalist and he showed us this sort of belt that he recommended that she wore 
that had this tourmaline mineral layer. It's tourmaline, uh, you know, the semi-precious stone yeah. tourmaline. And there is a, a, it's pulverised and made into a resin and uh, kind of rolled into a sort of fabric. And it's, it's used in so many um, products now. So, for example, uh, when you get on an aeroplane, um, the air filtration unit has that sort of element within it so that if you get on, if someone gets on the, on the plane with a virus, mm. the virus doesn't spread, it's killed yeah, yeah. because the negative ions that are emitted from tourmaline um, kind of zap the positive ions in the air. They mm. kill them and they and, and neutralise them. So... Um, uh, so, so that's where the tourmaline like came about, uh, where I was made aware of the tourmaline, and um, I was fascinated by it. And that was during the trip. And at that time, I was thinking, you know, now that we've inaugurated the school, I really need to start thinking more seriously about my work, and um, and and what I'm going to do. And I thought, you know, what I really need is a product that I can bring to market that will sort of generate a passive income for the charity or as part of the product or part of the company some element of it sort of relates to the relates to the charity and has a charity element within it mm. so um i was in the airport on the way back from pakistan and i was in the airport lounge and i picked up um uh, i think it was time magazine and uh, I read an article about women in refugee camps who um, don't have sanitary pads and as a result uh, they have to tear strips off the, their clothing, you know, the, the bottom of their dresses mm. to roll up and sort of use as sanitary pads. Mm. And that's aside from all the other problems that they face like, you know, being afraid of going to the toilet in yeah. with out of fear of rape and yeah. um, having to do really unimaginable things yeah. to in exchange for food you and know to survive, yeah. to survive yeah. you know sort of uh, they they're even sometimes forced to you know give their daughters for a night to you know soldier or whatever i don't know Shocking. you know yeah. in exchange for food and protection yeah. i mean you know, so the last thing they need to ha also on top of that think about is, hang on a minute, I'm due on in like yeah. three days. What am I going to do? Yeah. And the aid agencies do supply a very limited amount mm. of pads, but nowhere, nowhere near enough. Yeah. And there's also the taboos around going to get them mm. and all that sort so of thing. So how does your charity help? So... Um, the Halima Trust is, you know, kind of uh, the the business, Gift Wellness, mm. is a limited business. It's yeah. a private business, but as it's one of those triple bottom line businesses. So when I was in that airport lounge and I read that article, I visualised myself mm. at that point mm. handing out sanitary pads to these women. Yeah. And the whole idea sort of evolved from there. And when mm. I came back, I... I was also thinking about that tourmaline thing. So yeah. I combined those two things and I thought, well, you know, let me research this. I researched it for 18 months or so oh. and developed the products within that 18 months and tested them and uh, and found the right sort of um, partners who could, you know, uh, the factory yeah. uh, that could manufacture them. 
and assemble them. So I chose all the elements myself and all, all the the makeup of the product, and then got it assembled. And uh, and because it's mined in China, uh, that's where they're made as well. So right. it's the the tourmaline is processed in labs and put yeah. straight into the into the product. So there's minimal risk of contamination. They're made in in sterile conditions yeah. and ste- the machines are steam cleaned every two hours. I think the, the priority for me uh, in terms of the product, the integrity of a, the product was that um, they they needed to be clean. Yeah. They needed to be chemical free. They needed yeah. to be, I mean, down there, you know, yeah. well, it's like an open wound at yeah. that time of the month, especially. Um, and then, you know, all women have had some kind of women's problem yeah. <laughs> at some time or other, whether it's an infection or a thrush or a this or yeah. a that, you know, and sometimes worse things like endometriosis, yeah. which is why is it so on the increase? Why is one in 10 women now suffering from endometriosis? Mm. And, you know, we can only conclude that it's the stuff that they're putting on. And that's commendable work. I mean, we talked about this uh, uh, offline and um, there is such a lack of knowledge and awareness about women's products, Mm -hmm. period. (laughs) Pardon the pun. Um, But um, I, I do feel that this, you and I speaking about this, requires a, a far deeper chat than our half an hour slot. So we'd love at some point for you to come back and tell our viewers more about the product and how uh, women can protect themselves and, 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 and utilise and, and uh, buy and purchase um, uh, credible products. Now, I know that um, your, your sanitary towels, what are they called and where are they? They're called Gift Sanitary. Gift Sanitary, and they're available sanitary at? And... Gift Wellness. Gift Wellness. Yeah. Yep. And uh, when you buy our pads, mm. for every pack you buy, we donate pads to women in crisis. Yep. So we've donated 1.1 million pads so far. Absolutely. Yes, and uh, I've just sent 10,000 yesterday to the Rohingya uh, oh, refugees in amazing. Myanmar, you know, in uh, Bangladesh that have come from Myanmar. And, uh, you know, I and homeless charities here in the UK as well, yeah. as well as food and, banks. And they're available in Holland and Barrett as well, they? They're available they? in Holland and Barrett yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, because of the sort of margins in yeah. Holland and Barrett, we can give less to yeah. charity as a result of that. And, you know, that's the reason why I set it up. Yeah. So, you know, you know that, that was the starting point. It wasn't like other businesses where you make your money first and then you do yeah. charity. Yeah. This was because of the charity. So... And I find that the more of the charity side of it that I do, the better the business does. Fantastic. And there's good karma and... That comes around know, as a comes direct Comes around result. its blessings, yeah. Well, Zareen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I just wish that we had more time. I will definitely ensure that your products are included on uh, my webpage. Thank and um, we will definitely be speaking about your products again on this show. I'm absolutely thank you so much. positive of it. All right, thank you very much. Thank you, my pleasure. If you would like to get in contact with me, please visit my website on www.authorpdlord.com. Facebook, you can find me on Author PD Lord, Instagram PD Lord, and Twitter PD Lord. 
Currently, I have books available called The Journey, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Kindle, Books and Ebooks. 